If you are new here today, my name is Greg McCormick. I'm the pastor at Change Point Northeast Anchorage, and I'm glad that you're here joining us today. If you have your Bibles, no, no just keep your stuff on there real quick, Jose. We're not going anywhere yet. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me uh, by pre-marking your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. We're going to come back and we're going to visit those two passages of Scripture in just a minute. As you know, this is the second week of Advent, and Advent represents a period of preparation as we await the arrival and celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We await the arrival of Christmas, and of course, Christmas is where we celebrate his birth. But more than that, it's also a joyful reminder for us, family, that he is coming back one day as a reminder of his imminent return. He's coming back again. And so it's these four weeks of preparation that we stop and we observe several themes, today being the theme of joy, okay? So in this holiday season, come here to this mic here. Is this mic on? All right. In this holiday season of giving gifts and, and you know, song, I, there's no better song that's more appropriate that really speaks to the root, the true meaning of joy than the song Joy to the World. And so we're going to sing that here, Joy to the World, okay? Let's go. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said, but I helped him to joy, huh? I'm sure you probably thought I was going to sing the old great Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Let earth receive our King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven, heaven and nature sing. And I, I bet you it took you by surprise when I reached way back to the 70s and grabbed that Classic hit by Three Dog Night, Joy to the World. Hmm. Didn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I want you to see. There exists for us two types of joy, and I believe the stark contrast between these two songs really paint a great picture for the difference between the two types of joy in this world. First, there is the shallow temporary joy that the world offers. And then there's the substantive and eternal joy that the Lord, our Savior, gives. As long as we live on this earth, we have an opportunity to choose between which of these joys is going to govern our lives. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that you don't have to experience, you don't have to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ to experience joy. The world 
experience his joy. But there's a tremendous difference between the joy of the world and the joy of the Lord. And so I don't want you to be fooled by the joy of the world. I want you to recognize the difference. So I want to give you a key statement that I want you to remember. Take with you. The joy of the world is temporary. The joy of the Lord is everlasting. The joy of the world is temporary. It's fleeting. The joy of the Lord is everlasting. You know, you can't sing like that without your throat getting dry. You know what I mean? So let's talk about the joy of the world first. One thing I want you to see is that the joy of the world is circumstantial. Joy of the world is based on the circumstances that we face in life, the ones that we are currently dealing with. Happiness, our happiness, our joy from this world's perspective depends on what's happening right now. Because the circumstances of our lives constantly change, the joy of the world is elusive and it's evasive. Worldly joy will evade you. You can't trap it. You can't capture it. You can't hold on to it. The joy of the world looks inward. It looks, it looks inside. It's all about me. It's about the things I can acquire or accomplish. The things that I believe that will satisfy me. Let me tell you something. Possessions and accomplishments are temporary things. And temporary things can never permanently satisfy because temporary things don't last forever. They can't, and so they hold no lasting value. I love what the preacher tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It'll be on the screen. Here's what he says. He said, I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of our lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water groves, to wa reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. And yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless and chasing after the wind because nothing was gained under the sun. And here's the point. 
everything that the world has to offer is temporary. See, all the things that the preacher talked about, they were good things, but they were temporary. And temporary things, family, will wear out. Temporary accomplishments can only bring you temporary joy. Our work, our money, our achievements, even the joy that we feel when we place Christmas presents under the tree this time of year. Listen, it's all temporary stuff. It's good. It's pleasant. It's pleasing. But it won't last because it can't last. It's fleeting. I love watching children on Christmas. You know, I, I love seeing, for example, I'll take my grandson. Had a bunch of presents under the tree last Christmas. And, you know, when children open up their presents, when there's a bunch of them, they'll open up the first one and be like, Johnny, open up this one. Johnny will open up that present. He'll rip off all the paper. And then he'll look and he'll, he'll go to one other one. And he'll wrap that one. He'll just unwrap it and, and just throw all the paper down and look at that one. And he's happy with that one. And he looks, he sees another one. And he grabs it and so on and so forth. Why? Because in that moment, he moves from thing to thing to thing because he knows that there's more. There's more. There's more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. So he's not completely satisfied. Until he gets everything that he thinks belongs to him. Listen, that's how temporary things are, family. Temporary things can never fully and completely satisfy because they can never fill that God-shaped void that is designed for us to experience the eternal joy that only he can give. So scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that when God designed us, he placed eternity in our hearts. And with it, the capacity to experience the fullness of joy, permanent joy, not the temporary joy of the world. See, temporary things can only bring you temporary joy, and that's the best that the world has to offer, temporary joy. The joy of the world is circumstantial, and so no matter how good it may be right now, it's only temporary, and it can never last. It can never fully satisfy. It can't. That's the joy of the world. I want to spend the most of our time today talking and reflecting about the joy of the Lord in contrast to the joy of the world. And the first thing I want you to see is that the joy of the Lord is an everlasting joy. You know, last week I mentioned two people in love. You know, you see two people and they're, they're head over heels in love and they just, everything is about that other person, right? Just, just, I said it was disgusting last week, didn't I? Just can't get enough of each other. And, and they're filled with joy. I'll tell you what, I don't think I've ever met a person that is in love, and they're walking around with the stank face. Hey, man, what's, what, what's up? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm in love. I'm in love. You ever see that? I don't think you will, because here's the thing. Joy is a product of love. Joy flows out of love. The joy of the Lord is one of the 
fruit of the Spirit, and it comes with an abiding relationship with Jesus. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. He is my love, and therefore he is my joy. So as followers of Christ, we don't have to search for our joy in something because we've already found our joy in someone. Our joy is found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. I love how the psalmist puts it in, in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures evermore. And then Psalms 22, verse 26 in the New Living Translation says, The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with an everlasting joy. (laughs) Because he loves us with an everlasting love, family. And in him, in his everlasting love, we can find everlasting joy. The joy of the Lord is everlasting. And the joy of the Lord transcends circumstances. The word transcends in, in the dictionary means, now I want you to hang on to this because we're going to come back to it. It means to be prior to, to surpass to extend beyond and outside the ordinary range of human experience and understanding and comprehension. See, unlike the joy of the world where our happiness is dependent on what's happening in the circumstances, the joy of the Lord transcends our circumstances. In Jesus Christ, we have the, the power to experience joy in, through and beyond any circumstances that we're faced with. Why? Because the, the joy of the Lord, ex, it, it extends and transcends beyond what we see in the natural, the temporary, the now, and it peers into the eternal. All right. I want to take you on a little journey back to the original Christmas story. It's a story of, of Mary and Joseph. And the story of Mary is found in, in Matthew chapter, I mean, in Luke chapter 1, and the story of Joseph is found in Matthew chapter 1. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to combine the two stories because I, I want you to see a timeline here. Because what I want you to feel is the circumstances that this, this young couple was faced with. And, and I want you to remember now the point here is a joy that transcends circumstances. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26 through 36. And I'm going to paraphrase this for you a bit. God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. This is a small town right outside of Galilee with a population of about 1,500 to 2,000 people at the time of Mary. Gabriel is an archangel. Gabriel is the only angel, the only being, period, that I can find in Scripture, watch this now, who stands in the presence of God. Think about that for a minute. It's a bad boy, man. He, he says, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. So God sends him to the Virgin Mary, who's pledged to be married to a man 
named Joseph. And the angel appears to her and he says to her, Greetings, you highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now get this now. When you look in the Greek, that salutation, that, that greeting is a salutation. It's a form of, of speech that expresses joy. The angel Gabriel, watch this now, was expressing joy at the privilege and the opportunity to meet the person who would be the Savior of the world. Mary. Mary. Mary was a common girl. She's probably around 14 years old. She wasn't the daughter of any royalty or king. She, she, she didn't know any, she didn't feel like there was anything special about her. And so when the angel says to her, you are the highly favored one, can you imagine how she must have been troubled by this greeting? So Mary says to her, he says, listen, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And here's what he says. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to be with child. You're going to give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He'll be the son of the most high God, and he's going to, he's going to be given the throne of David, and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. Can you imagine how perplexed Mary must have been in that situation? What had to be going on in her head? You got to be kidding me, right? I can just see Mary. You, you got to be kidding me. Me? Wait, wait, what do you mean that I'm going to be pregnant? Do you not understand the culture that I live in? Listen, I'm engaged to be married to a man. Do you know what the scripture says in the Pentateuch about, about a woman who has sex outside of marriage? Do you know what that means for me? I can be stoned for being pregnant, for having sex outside of wedlock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and what am I supposed to tell Joseph? He'll never believe a word that I'm telling him. And how do you suppose this is going to happen, being that I'm a virgin and I've never known a man? Let me use my imagination for a second. I can imagine in that moment the, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, Mary, don't you remember reading in the Pentateuch, the book of Genesis, where the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and it was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, but the Spirit of the Lord began to move over the face of the deep, and it created life. You remember that? This same Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High God is going to overshadow you so that the one that you will give birth to will be called the Son of God because he's been given to you by the Holy Spirit. And Mary says, no, that's impossible. And angel Gabriel says to her, no, with God, nothing impossible. It might be impossible for man, but with God, nothing is impossible. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want, you, I want you to go down to Elizabeth's house, your cousin, who's been barren all of her life, who now is in her old age and could never on, by natural means have a son. And I want you to go down to her house and see for yourself. She's six months pregnant. In that moment, Mary, the Scripture says, 
in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am a, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now listen, the scripture doesn't give us detail about how and when it happened. But I believe that the moment Mary accepted and embraced the plan of God, I believe instantly she began carrying the Savior. But Mary's not rejoicing yet. There's, there's no joy you don't see her rejoicing until after she goes to see Elizabeth for herself and sees for herself that Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 39. Are you there? Y'all show up quiet today. Are you there? Because, you know, this is not going to be on the screen. I warned y'all last week. Listen to what it says. Since in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. I'm reading out of the ESV. To a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love the King James Version. I love I, something about the ring of the Holy Ghost. You know, the King James says she was filled with the Holy Ghost. I kind of like the Holy Ghost. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice. Now, watch this. Now, remember I told you what I believe happened. She says, she exclaimed with a loud voice, blessed are you among women, you blessed. And blessed are the, is the fruit of your womb. Hmm. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now listen to Mary rejoice. All the, all the pieces, all the, the players are in place. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. That word rejoices here in the Greek means joy. My spirit is, has joy in God, my Savior. Hmm. Hmm. So she goes to Elizabeth. She spends three months with Elizabeth, and when she returns home, remembers now she's three months pregnant. And watch this. Joseph doesn't even know that she's pregnant. How do we know this? Turn now back over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And remember, we're talking about joy that transcends circumstances. Hmm. Are you there? Because I'm not putting that one on the screen today either for you. Yeah. Now watch this now. At the birth of Jesus, begin at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, here's how we know. Can you imagine Joseph in that time? Mary says she's gone down to visit Elizabeth. She comes back three months 
pregnant. Can you imagine that? I can imagine Joseph looking at Mary because remember, remember he loves her. He looks at Mary and she says, I'm pregnant, Joseph. And Joseph says, wait a minute. You said you were going down to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth's house. You know how we would feel. Now listen, listen, don't, listen. These were real people, right? These are real people. You said you were going down to Elizabeth's house. And you come back to me pregnant? Ought to have you stoned. Ought to have you stoned, Mary. And then, and then above all that, you come telling me about this angel. You make up this cockamamie story about this angel that tells you you're going to be impregnated by some Holy Spirit. What is that? <laughs> Think about it. This really happened. What is that? <laughs> Look what the scripture tells us in verse 20. He says, but as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, <laughs> do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is, everybody say is, is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but did not know her until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What do you think allowed Mary and Joseph to endure the hardships that, that absolutely they had to face as part of their culture that they lived in? It was a joy that transcended their current circumstances. A joy that was based on an everlasting promise from an everlasting God. A promise that says salvation is not going to be just for your people through this child, but it's going to be for all of humanity. Let me tell you something. Today, as a result of them enduring that hardship, we are beneficiaries of that promise. Jesus endured the same thing. And I love what the writer of Hebrew tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. He says, wherefore, seeing how we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that does cling to us. And let us run this race with patience, looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Watch this now. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. As followers of Jesus Christ, we can experience that same joy too. But I want to be really clear to you. Because although we, we have the joy of the Lord that transcends our circumstances, family, we are still going to be faced with the circumstances of life just like everybody else. 
Don't think that we get a pain-free life card when you, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It ain't going to happen. We are going to experience sorrow and pain and grief and suffering just like everyone else. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, In this world you will have trials, but be of good cheer. Because I, listen, take heart, take joy. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So in the midst of our struggles, we can, we can live triumphantly. We can live joyfully, holding on to the precious promises of, of God's protection and his provision for us. He made promises to us as followers. Last night I got a call from, from Herb Morgan, and uh, he tells me, he says, Pastor, said, I'm really excited about this, I got to tell you. He said, I've been talking to my son on the phone, and my son He's down at lower 48, and he's been having problems with his legs. He's walking. I think it might be this genetic problem that, that maybe came from his mom. I don't know, but he's fallen. He fell down the other day, and he just recently fell again, and now it's starting to really be an issue. He said, but then my son called me the other day, and he told me that he was just walking down the street, and some guy walked up to him and gave him a pair of orthopedic shoes and told him, the Lord told me to give you these shoes. Think about that. Okay, let me, let me back up because maybe I'm the only one that gets happy about stuff like that. Okay, so, so here's a young guy having trouble with his legs, can't hardly walk, falling down and stumbling. He's crying out to the Lord in his circumstances, and the Lord sends a guy that he's never met before, meets him on the street with a pair of orthopedic shoes, and says, the Lord told me to give you these shoes. We have a God that knows and sees and cares for us. And it's his joy on the inside of us that cause, causes us to cry out in trust to our Father. A joy that transcends circumstances because it focuses on the very character of God and his promises to us. We know in the part of us that knows things that God is faithful to his promises and that brings us joy. Precious promises like we find in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, where, where he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. In Jeremiah 31, verse 13, it says, in me you will find joy in the midst of your sorrow. And it's because his promises that our joy remains strong within the context of the circumstances that we're often faced with. Did you know that it's often in the times of our greatest pain and struggle that we truly experience the joy of the Lord that transcends our circumstances? So the joy of the Lord is everlasting. The joy of the Lord transcends our circumstances, and the joy of the Lord transcends time. Remember, I, I gave you Webster's definition of transcend, and I told you, come back to it. And I said that transcends means prior to and above and beyond comprehension. The joy of the Lord 
transcends time. Because Scripture tells us that before time even was, before it even began, Jesus would be the permanent solution for the, for the problem of sin. Job 38 says, before time began, God laid the foundations of the earth. Long before time was even placed into eternity, there was great joy as the angelic host anticipated the day of our redemption. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared before or in advance for us to do. Then in the book of Revelation, Lance, you can bring your team up. The book of the Revelation, chapter 13, tells us that the names of the redeemed have already been written in the book of life, the book that belongs to the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world before time even began. The joy of the Lord transcends time. A couple weeks ago, I had the the honor of walking with Tom and, and Linda Atwood as Linda's mom passed from this life to the next. Had the privilege of being invited to, to be with the family as, as she was drawing her last breaths of life. Walked into an environment that was, that was filled with love, but it was also filled with sorrow, so it was bittersweet. But the overriding factor is that Diane Gates, Linda's mom, was a follower of Jesus. And so, and so, and so even though there was sorrow, there was also joy because Her hope wasn't just based on this life. And the hope of her family wasn't just based on this life. There are a couple moments that I remember very well. And the one was when one of the daughters came over to the bed and she leaned over her mom and she leaned down on the bed and she put her head down on her mom's shoulder and she just, she, she, she was just saying some words and then she lifted her eyes and her head and her, her eyes were filled with tears but she had a great big smile on her face. And she was telling her mom, Mom, you know it's okay. We know where you're going. We're not losing you. We know exactly where you're going to be. And you've got loved ones that have already gone before that stand in those great cloud of witnesses that you're going to meet. They're going to be waiting for you there. And so that time of sorrow was a time of joy also because that joy spoke to the fact that there is hope, there is life after this life for the follower of Jesus Christ. It's a joy that transcends life. You see, that's the joy of the Lord. This family is the joy of the Lord. It's not temporary like the joy of the world. It's eternal. It's it's not dependent on circumstances. It transcends circumstances. And it's not bound by time. The joy of the Lord transcends time. For us. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't know what I'm talking about because you've never embraced 
the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so all of this sounds great, Pastor, but how does it relate to me? Here's how it relates. You will never experience the joy that is from God for you until you embrace the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You'll never know it. You'll never know the joy and the peace that surpasses all understanding until you embrace the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You'll never know, as Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord that is your strength in the times of trouble and difficulty, in difficult circumstances, until you embrace the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's the Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that our joy is not the joy that I sang about earlier, joy to the world, all the boys and girls, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea, joy to you and me. That's the joy of the world. Your joy that you give to us is an everlasting enduring joy that lasts forever. Thank you for